Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to Don't Stop Us Now. I'm Claire Hatton. And I'm Greta Thomas. And we're on a mission to help you achieve your goals. We're all about sharing the secrets of the world's most innovative and pioneering successful women. Hear their uplifting stories and practical advice right here. Yes, right here. And if you're enjoying this podcast, then why not sign up for our newsletter at hello at don'tstopusnow.co and keep listening for this week's latest episode. Hello and welcome to our latest how-to episode. This week, we're exploring how to change your career. Indeed we are, and it seems to be a fairly topical subject at the moment, I think, with all the upheaval caused by COVID-19 and people being laid off for working less hours. Quite a lot of people seem to be wondering about whether now is the right time to change jobs or even careers, which is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, that's right. And do you know, remember that live webinar we did you know, about a month, month yeah, ago, was it? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that one. Yep. Yeah, and we polled people and 56% of them said they were considering changing jobs in the next six months. And then we went to the Q&A and a chat and we kind of had the impression, the really strong impression, that a significant number of them were also considering a career change. Yeah, not just a job change, but an actual sort of career change. And I actually have to say, I was quite surprised by that. You know, given the economic instability right now, I was really quite surprised how high the numbers did seem to be indicating that they were wanting a more radical change than just going from, for example, you know, a promotion within a company, but in the same function or changing companies to get a promotion, but, you know, staying within the same industry and the same job. So yeah, it was quite a surprise. Yeah, no, it really was. So I think it's quite timely now, actually, to explain what we'll be covering today. Yeah, please do. I'm curious myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've tossed back and forth what changing career actually means. And we decided that it would include, for the purpose of this episode, changing career could mean, one, changing industry, but staying in a similar type of role. Two, changing your type of role or the function you work in, whether you're changing industry or not. And also, we think that career change equates to moving from being employed to self-employed or vice versa. That could be another type of career change where you've got that kind of radical change. And you've done that type of career change both ways, haven't you? Yeah. Over the oh so many years of my career, I've moved both from being employed to self-employed and then the other way back to being employed and then back again to being (laughs) self-employed. So basically, what we're talking about when we say career change isn't just going for a better or more senior job or building your skills. 
It's when you might, for instance, realize actually you don't like a certain industry that you're in, or you realize that you might be happier not being a lawyer, for instance, but like one of our guests, Jodie Fox, realizing that she'd rather be in advertising and marketing and then later in her own startup. Exactly. And so today we'll cover why you'd consider changing career and then explore well, when you should consider changing career. And then finally, the all-important how do you go about changing your career? So firstly, why change your career? In fact, how many times have you changed your career, Claire? Well, if you take our fairly broad definition that yep. we've just discussed, mm. then I reckon it's about eight times. How about you? Yeah, well, I had done some calculations beforehand because I'm that much older than you. <laughs> Only a few years, listeners, truly. Mm. <laughs> and they don't call me the variety queen for nothing, you know. I reckon my tally is 10. But if you think about the eight times that you've changed careers, was there one particular reason why you made the career change? You know, did that come through more common than other, you know, reasons? Well, actually, there were a few reasons and they changed as I got older, I think. Mm -hmm. So my first couple of career changes were because I really wanted to progress my career. I wanted to learn new skills. You know, I was really curious. And then... Probably the next few were related to things that, you know, I loved and was passionate about. And then it went back to career progression. And then finally, it was about really making a bigger impact. Okay, so you've got a pretty big variety of reasons. I, I think that's probably not dissimilar to me. And I think we probably should say now that I reckon that both you and I probably have a higher number of career changes than the average person. And that, I suspect, speaks to our personality types, our appetite for challenge and variety, our risk appetites, and as you said, learning new things. Because if I stop to think about why I made those changes, I would say that sort of sense of career progression was probably my most common reason, but defining career progression quite broadly in terms of advancement of what I could learn and the sort of type of business problem that I could be able to solve and the impact I could have based on the new skills I would learn. So I would say that would be my my key reason. Mm, yeah, interesting. Yeah, and of course, there are other reasons you might seek a career change as well. You might start out, say, for example, working in a not-for-profit because purpose is really important to you and then realize that actually money is actually really important to you in this stage of your life. So you move into something more commercial. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Another reason to change career could be where you're working in an industry that's facing economic hardship. And if we look at now during coronavirus times, then obviously examples would be the travel or hospitality industries. And then there, if, you've, if you want to progress or even find employment, you kind of know that jobs are going to be really thin on the ground in travel right now. And so if you're in these sectors, it may well be that you need to think about changing industries to find employment again, at least in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, maybe. So there are numerous reasons there. And I think that leads us nicely now to think about when is the right time to change careers. And firstly, if you've lost your job thanks to COVID-19 and you work, say, in the tourism and travel industry, well, now might be, as Greta said, a good time to look at swapping industries and setting about applying the skills you've acquired in that new industry. Absolutely. And, you know, thinking about the timing for others who may still have a job but want a career change for whatever your own personal reason might be, I think the most important thing that we can say really clearly here is that 
You need to think about your own personal situation, including your finances, and make an informed decision based on a whole variety of those factors, including your finances. And as you can hear on certain um, ads for investment offers, you know the advice we give here is general in nature, and you really should seek your own advice before making a decision that could affect, for example, your financial well-being. So I think you've got to think about you know what are your obligations and debts, responsibilities, what whatever it might be, and take that into account. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's circumstances are different, aren't they? Yeah. So, for example, we know quite a few younger people who've literally just graduated from uni or been in the workforce for, say, one or two years, and they don't have a job now. And a number of them we know are going back to uni to study again, knowing it's going to be a pretty tough job market for a year or so. Particularly for those entry-level jobs, I think that's exactly right. Yeah. And then if you're older and if you have dependents or a mortgage or debt and you have a job but you want to change it, then you have the benefit of job hunting while employed. But if the new career you want has you needing to learn new skills, then only you can decide if you can learn those skills part-time, for example, in the evenings, or if you need to be studying full-time. Just be aware that we both feel pretty strongly right now that thanks to coronavirus, it's far better to be a little bit more cautious financially than it is to be taking a leap of faith and giving up a job to, say, study full-time when you don't necessarily have a guarantee of income once you've finished your studies. Yeah, that's true. And the other thing I'd say here is that it's also worth exploring if you can start something up as a side hustle, for example, yeah, where you can keep your main income but test the waters with new career activities. You know, not possible for every type of career, but well worth exploring if you're thinking of working for yourself, for example. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really important to test the market, You know, particularly if you're dreaming about being self-employed. Ask around, sort of, you can even build a little bit of a mini website and just see if you get interest in your services. There's all kinds of ways you can sort of create a bit of a minimum viable product on the side. You know, there's one other important thing I think to share now, and that's, you know, when you're thinking of career changes, we're not advocating here, be cautious above everything else, because obviously, you know, what's going to make you happy is really important too. And on that note, don't ever let age stop you from making a change if it's to change to something you feel really strongly and passionately about. I love the example of, you know, the author, Delia Owens, who started a new career in terms of she became a novelist. She'd been a wildlife biologist for her entire career. And then she turned to writing fiction and at the age of 70, 70, had her first novel and it became a massive, massive bestseller. And the book is called Where the Crawdads Sing. So she changed career in her 70s, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, I absolutely love that example. And I love the book, by the way. It's yeah, it's a great amazing book. book. And, you know, we are all likely to be working longer. And so age should never be a reason to do or not to do something in my book. Yep, completely agree. So to summarize on timing decisions to change a career, everyone is in such different situations right now. And the timing of a career change has to take into account a few key things your financial situation, the economic situation, the potential job opportunities in your targeted new industry or role, or the market for someone offering your services if you're thinking of working for yourself, how unhappy you are in your current career, and what impact this has 
on you more broadly? And finally, how much serious homework you've done so that you've got a very clear plan of how you can make the career change as smooth and seamless as possible. And wherever possible that you've tested the market to verify your opportunity or stepping stones you'd need to successfully change career. Yeah. And that last point is so important. And it segues really well into our final section today. And that's how do you make a career change? Claire, what did you think about and what did you do before you made that pretty huge leap to leave Google after seven years of being there and you had a really senior role? It was a very enviable position to be in on the leadership team in Google Australia. You know, what did you think about before you left to start your own business? Well, what I did was I started thinking about this probably about two years before I actually left. And previous to that, I'd studied neuroscience, which then led me to coaching and I got my accreditation. So I'd already started building some skills that were kind of like my passion points and key areas. And I was putting those skills into practice at Google. But increasingly, I was feeling that I wanted to start my own business and to make, you know, a bigger and a different impact to what I was actually doing in my day job. So what I did was I started working with a coach to get really clear on what I wanted. And then I put a plan in motion to get to the point where I could actually leave Google, which turned out to be two years later. I wanted to make sure that I had, you know, enough Uh, runway financially to give the business a really good go and also to have the skills and some of the testing done before I left. So what I did was I worked on the skills while I was in the job and I was lucky enough actually to have an opportunity to start building the beginnings of quite a unique training offering, which is, you know, the program that we have today, actually. But I started the beginnings of it and I was, you know, still working in my role, but actually testing things out on Googlers, which was just so incredibly valuable. So when I left, you know, I had a really good sense that the foundations that we were working on were really good and that we could then go on to build programs that have been, you know, semi-tested in the real world. I think it's important to note also that, you know, I left on a real high from Google. I gave six months notice, which was really important to me because I wasn't leaving a job that I didn't love. I I really, really did love it. And I wanted to leave with a good reputation. So that was important. Then what happened was about six weeks after I'd left, I had a call from Google actually saying, hey, you know that program that you piloted last year? Well, it went really brilliantly and we'd love to roll out something like that in Asia Pacific. Would you come and be a vendor? And so, of course, I said, oh, absolutely. And that then turned into a great program that went incredibly well and then became global and we, we rolled it out across the world. You know, one thing is important to know is that obviously when you are working for a company, you just have to be mindful of the fact that technically they may own the IP. So for me, I actually had a conversation with Google about that and we basically agreed that I own the IP. So that's really important to note. 
But I think if you, you know, if you step back, what I did was I was very planned. I did a lot of research. I did a lot of thinking about how I would run the business. I made sure I had a really strong financial platform to be able to work from. And so, you know, it was really quite strategic, to be That's honest. a bit of a dream run, if you ask it me. It was a bit of a dream <laughs> run, it has to be said. But, you know, I did work with a coach over two years and to I, plan it out. I did. I, I really did plan it out, you know, obviously while nailing my job and doing that at the same time. But it was, yeah, it was very th- well thought through. Well, well done you. And I, I really like that notion of, you know, I think it can apply to other people too in this situation, wanting to change careers where you might be in a job and you might, you know, say you're in marketing, but you've actually realized you really want to be in hypothetically, product development, you might be able to put your hand up for a project that sort of crosses and blurs the boundaries between those two things. Or you might just be able to spend more time with people in the product team learning about what they're doing and you know, having coffee and lunch with different people in that team to kind of learn more. Just taking advantage of where you are to really up your skills. Yeah. I think that's a really, really important point, Gret, because yeah. it's really a great opportunity when you're already in a company to be able to utilize those resources and those opportunities. Yeah. And I think the other point from your story that's really valuable to take out is you really planned it. You did your homework. This was not a rush decision. It wasn't like you had a bad day or a bad week or even a bad month at work and said you were changing careers. And it wasn't that you had a bad time at all, fortunately. You know, this was a thoughtful overtime decision. And I think that's what we would always encourage that you actually have a real plan to create a career change should you really have one in mind. And, you know, I also love the fact that you could cultivate your then current employer as your first client. Yeah. I wonder, you know, what do you think about if you're, say, working in sales in one industry and then you want to change industries, but you still want to be working in sales, but you want to change because the sector you're working in now has been hard hit. So I ask a rhetorical question, what can you do? And I think this is where experienced former recruiter and headhunter and now executive resume writer Donna Svey has some really great advice on what to do if you find you need to change industries because opportunities are scarce where you currently are. And we talked about other industries that are affected earlier, like tourism and hospitality as well. And what Donna says is the first task is to think about what are the industries you'd be most interested to move to and make a list of those. And then once you've decided on that, actually then think about which companies within that industry would you target and, you know, which of those interest you. And here's Donna expanding and building on that. So you want to get onto LinkedIn and look at the company's company page on LinkedIn, follow the company. And then look at who works there and see if any of your first or second level connections work there and ask yourself, gee, can I get an introduction? Okay, so you've got that going on. Then you also want to look at the types of jobs the company has posted in the last year. You can use LinkedIn and Indeed for that. And it's not going to show you everything. But if you're mid-career, you have a pretty good chance of taking a look at the type of recruiting they've been doing. Then you're going to look for jobs you can do, either because let's say you're the controller of a company and they're looking for a controller. That's a no-brainer. You might look at jobs and think, gee, I could probably do that. 
And as you read the job posting, you'll realize, you know, even though I've never had that job title, I have most of those skills. So if you start making a list of those skills, you're going to find out what the market wants that you have. Then you start thinking about writing your resume. How can I illustrate these skills in my resume? You know, if they want you to be able to work cross-functionally, even though they might have in mind you working cross-functionally on a project to bring a new product up, and you might have worked cross-functionally on figuring out how to do some kind of process that cross-functions in your company, you can still use the term worked on cross-functional team in your resume And mentally, they can check the box as they read your resume. Oh, yeah, okay, this person knows how to work cross-functionally. Such great advice from Donna Svey there on how to think methodically about changing industries and how to make sure you're across the language and terminology of your new target industry when you write your CV and prepare for interviews, etc. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also really important to remember to talk to people who are already in the industry you want to move to and learn more about it. You know, as Donna said, search your LinkedIn network, ask your friends and family, do they know anybody or does, does anyone you know work in? in that industry or work in that type of role you're after. Do anything you can simply to learn more about the industry or, you know, it could be if you're changing role, learn more about the role. One thing I find that works very well is approaching people and asking them for their advice, but doing so in a very specific and answerable sort of easy way for them. So, you know, for example, you might just simply say to them, I really admire how you made a change and switch from industry X to industry Y. Do you have any advice for me? I'm in a similar situation. You know, what was one thing in particular that you think helped you make that switch successfully that perhaps I could look to focus on myself? So I've really narrowed that example down to what's just one thing. And so that makes it easier for people to help you. It's really hard when you say, I'd love to do this. Can you please give me some advice? And it's so open-ended and people are all short for time these days. And so the more explicit you can be, the better. Yeah, I totally agree. That strategy works when people ask me for advice, yeah, for sure. me too. And, you know, it is really important to get out of your comfort zone and reach out to others as part of your learning quest. I know it can be hard, but it is really critical. You know, make it easy for people to answer you by keeping your questions specific and allude to the fact that you value their advice. And don't drown someone in questions uninvited. The other thing, Gret, is when you're looking to change industry is that it can really help to get a little bit creative and think outside the box, can't it? (laughs) I think you've done that just a few times. (laughs) Well, yes. Look, I'm a passionate believer in believing, you know, whether you're simply looking for a new job in the same career sort of industry, so to speak, or looking to completely change industries, you have to think outside the box. And don't just follow the predictable paths and don't just wait for job ads, for example. I did a bit of an analysis and the majority of my jobs have come not from job ads, but they've come from contacts and opportunities that I've created by being proactive or staying in touch with different people or having people, you know, sometimes getting someone else to make an approach on my behalf. And I think when you're thinking about being um, creative, you're probably thinking about the story uh, where I went and transitioned careers from being a professional ballet dancer to becoming a TV reporter. 
Well, yeah, there is that one. I mean, there, there are many, actually, but that <laughs> one is a particularly good one. So I think you should share that with our listeners. Yeah, okay. So, well, a bit like when you were looking to change career from Google and become self-employed and have a, a leadership development and coaching business, the same for me. I knew in advance that I was not going to be the prima ballerina I wanted to. So if you think about it, I could tell that I wasn't going to get the promotions in ballet that I would really have liked. <laughs> but it wasn't due to your skills, was it? Was I was due to my hip sockets and my insteps, my the sort of my not really fair. (laughs) Yeah, there were physical things that yeah I wasn't going to change. So I started studying while still performing. So I was doing part time study. I did it initially at night school, and then I was performing a lot. So what did you study? uh, Good point. Thank you for that. I was I wanted to be a TV reporter, so I figured I'd better study journalism. And this was in the days before it was a de rigueur to get a say a journalism degree so it wasn't digital at all was it no so I did face-to-face night school Mm -hmm. and then when I was performing so much I couldn't actually attend classes but I did there was a journalism correspondence course I found which is the equivalent today of finding an online course I suspect and I also was lucky enough to be able to sort of talk my way into work experience during the day sometimes because I was performing at night and so what happened was from being a ballet dancer I had enough learning under my belt and enough work experience under my belt that I had about a six-week holiday and then I was able to get a radio reporting job. But radio, of course, wasn't where I really wanted to finish. And so after about two or three years working as a radio news reporter, I had applied to be accepted as a an apprentice TV reporter for the ABC. And I was really gutted because I didn't even get an interview. And I was already working professionally as a radio reporter and oh. news. I thought, blimey, I'm, I'm done for. But fortunately, ballet had taught me quite a bit of resilience and um, determination. So I stepped back and I thought about, well, how, you know, what else can I do? And so I decided that you know, what I'd learned with ballet is you seek out great teachers. And so I thought, well, I need to seek out a great teacher in TV to help me make this transition. And so I wrote to someone who was heading up one of the commercial TV stations newsrooms, and he had been one of the former executive producers of 60 Minutes. So he was quite a big name in the industry, but he happened to be in my city at the time. And I wrote to him a letter explaining my situation that I was a radio journalist, but I really wanted to be a TV journalist. And then I offered to hire him, basically. That's hilarious. Yeah. Like, you know, in other words, I offered to pay for his time because I figured, you know, here was someone really senior. I really need to show that I respect him and his time and I'm not looking for a free favor. Yeah. And so it worked amazingly. And, you know, of course, these are all individual examples and I'm not saying this will work again. It's just, you know, it's luck of the draw on who you send the letter to and if you've got them on a good day, probably as much as anything. But within a few days of sending the letter, I got a phone call from this gentleman and he said, you don't need to pay me, but you might have to buy a crate of beer, a carton of beer for the TV, the actual camera crew. And so he took me out on a weekend when the Kramer crew weren't busy and coached me and had me doing what they call a, is a piece to camera where you talk to the camera plus doing an interview on camera with him as the interviewee, role-playing, I forget what we role-played. And then he took that footage away and got it edited into a showreel. And so I was able to send that and ironically I sent it to the ABC where I had not even been shortlisted for an interview to be an apprentice journalist 
and I got selected to be a journalist on the 7.30 report, albeit a junior journalist, and they sort of kind of called it something else. But Which I, in yeah. Australia is a big TV yeah. show. Yeah, a current affairs TV yeah. show. So I kind of actually ended up leapfrogging a few stages probably. Yeah. So that's that's my story. Incredible. I just love that story. I really do. I, I love the creativity in it. And, you know, I think you can really see that you were preparing for that change for a whole year you know, at least while you were still performing. Definitely. It was at least a year, you know, if not more, because I was doing all that study first. So, you know, I knew what I was talking about. I knew how to be a journalist at that point in time. Yeah. So I think the principles, you know, of being really proactive, not waiting for a job ad and reaching out to individuals and taking charge of your own career are really, you know, they are fundamental to both of the examples I think that we've shared. Yeah, and mine is, you know, out there. And as I say, I probably couldn't do that today because you probably need a, a degree. But, you know, you get the point. You you shouldn't just wait for the opportunity to come to you. There are ways and means of generating opportunity. Now, there's one other really important thing people wanting to change career can do that I'd love to share now. And that's the importance of not undervaluing the skills you already have you know, when we're in one profession, and let's say for argument's sake, marketing, then a lot of those skills that we have, if you're in a marketing role, are really transferable to other types of roles outside of marketing. So a very valuable exercise is to do an audit of your own skills. And this is where it's really useful to get someone else to look and help you do this as well. Because sometimes when you're so close to what you do, you don't value sort of the individual elements of what you do as a a sort of a self-contained skill in in and of itself. That's true. Yeah. So you break down, for example, marketing into all its different components. So, you know, you have to analyze probably research data and brand research data. Great. Well, that means you've got analytical skills. And then you probably also have to work with other areas of the business, be that product or sales. Great. Well, that means you have collaboration skills and hopefully interpersonal relationship building skills as well. And I'm also guessing if you're in marketing that you have to do some problem solving. And there you go. Problem solving is another kind of a generic building block skill. So I don't know if you can see what I'm doing here, but it's like breaking down the day-to-day job you have, whatever it might be, into these separate modules of skills and they're all transferable potentially to other roles and professions. Yeah, that's really important, a really good exercise to do because once you've done it, it really helps you talk to potential new employers about all the transferable skills you bring and how you can add value. You know, it's a little bit going back to Donna's quote. So we've covered quite a lot on how to change careers today if you include our stories. And I think it might be helpful to summarize what we think are some of the key things you can do here. Yes, please. Okay, here I go. So number one, it's the importance of doing your research. Find out about your target career or industry, get granular and detailed about what you need to be able to do to succeed in that new industry. Number two, make a career change plan. Work out the steps you need to take and how long some of them might be. Three, take into account your personal financial situation and other circumstances. Four, as Donna said, use LinkedIn and follow target companies and importantly, use the language they use when you approach them. And number five, think about what you can do while still in your current job, if you have one, side hustles, internal projects, or learning part-time. 
That's a great summary. And, you know, while we're on your last point of learning, I think it's really important to make the point here that regardless of whether you want to change jobs or careers, actually, we all need to keep learning new skills thanks to the technology changes and the fast moving pace of the world today and just how much has changed even with COVID-19. We need to think about learning all the time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, that's this episode done and dusted. Stay tuned for next week when we have another mini Future Proof Me episode coming your way. Can't wait. And that's it for us. Ciao for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.